I'm Trent Norris, fund manager at Sterling Capital. And this is Michelle Nipko. I'm the podcast host, and welcome to the One Trade Podcast. Hi, Trent. Hi, everyone. Well, is everyone tired of the word historic? I know I am. Inflation is hitting a 40-year high at 8.6%, which we heard last week. So the Fed reacted, I think, appropriately with a 75 basis point hike. That's the first time they've hiked that much since 1994. Something else that's really interesting, the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Index fell to 50.2. So where where is that in the spectrum, right? We don't know what the units are. That landed below forecasts and marked the lowest level since data started to be collected in the 1970s. Whoa. I know. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. Think of things that have happened during that time. We just experienced the pandemic, September 11th, right? These... It's lower now than during those times. Hmm. So, yeah. And nearly half of Americans blamed inflation for that pessimism. So what's interesting about that to me, Trent and everyone, is you know, inflation is a backward indicator of what has happened. The consumer sentiment index are people's feelings about what is going to happen. Right. So both are at these amazing lows. Um So along with that, plus all-time high gas prices and inflation, um, food shortages, the ongoing war in Ukraine, crypto crashing, you know, it's, it's a lot. It is, we're human. We can only take so much as it kind of overwhelms my brain. (laughs) So uh, what are your thoughts on all this, Trent? Well, hey, Michelle, it's so good to be back on the podcast with you. You know, Why I named this episode Inflate or Die is because our economy is hooked on cheap money, period, end of story. Rates were held down at 0% from 2008 to 2015, and the Fed did multiple QE programs. These two things combined inflated asset prices. And we tried to actually get back to normal in 2016 to 2018, but that failed miserably when the stock market imploded in December of 2018. And now we have inflation forcing the Fed's hand to get serious about removing all this excess liquidity. And this is the reason that asset prices are falling, and it looks like we're dying a slow death in the markets. Oh, for sure. So um, I've heard Peter Schiff talk about this analogy, and so I'm going to use it to you right here. It Basically, it feels like we're a family, and crisis occurred, Mom and dad lost their jobs and they have to take out a $50,000 credit card and put their purchases on that during this crisis. And the the SUV is still in the driveway and the house still looks good. The neighbors still think everything's fine, but it's not. And that's the first crisis. Well, then another crisis happens and it becomes a $200,000 credit card. And they're still able to get by. And then it's that next crisis, right? Where they can't take on any more debt. And that's where we're at as a nation. And now that we have this inflationary problem, we're going to have to um, continue to cut back on the credit card, essentially. 
So, no more yeah. SUV in the driveway. Exactly. Then you got to sell the SUV, right? You have to, you have to start to, um, yeah, you have to start selling assets. And that's what the Fed does in QT, right? They get rid of uh, their mortgage-backed securities and the treasury bonds. So that that's where we're at. And, um, you know, Bitcoin is kind of interesting here. Uh, you know, it's only been in existence since post great financial crisis and similar to tech and housing, um, Bitcoin and other cryptos have thrived in low interest rate environments. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's really its first test, I think, in this new environment. And I think people need to reconsider what Bitcoin is versus all the BS narratives that have been floating around about it right since its inception. And we talked about this I don't know, months ago on the podcast, but it's clearly not digital gold. And it's not an inflation hedge. Um, it does, however, trade in lockstep with tech stocks. And I think that's how it needs to be viewed in its present state today. And um, now why I think all this is one trade, whether it's crypto or tech or now even housing, is because all of these assets did extremely well in low inflation and a low interest rate environment where energy was cheap. And if you think about these investments, they all use Mm -hmm. a ton of energy. And now when I talk about like that with like being a landlord or real estate investments, I'm not talking about your heating and electrical bill. I'm talking about all the energy and resources it takes to keep that investment going or to keep a business going, right? Which is the stock market, like which is a stock, right? Essentially it's it's business or or what it takes to keep like a crypto going. It, It takes a lot of energy. And so- these things are going to be trading down in tandem until we can get back into an environment, right, where they do well. And that that has been low inflation and, right, low energy costs. And so in this environment, they're just not going to work. Now, consider gold, right? And, and gold this year is pretty mm-hmm. much flat. It might be up a little bit. I'm not sure. But- it's a very different asset than all these things. It represents a true store of value. So all the energy that was used to find the gold, dig it out of the ground, and then smelt it and then turn it into bars and coins, that that bar or that coin of gold or silver, that represents all the stored energy that were ever used. So it doesn't require any more energy. And so in this environment, it makes sense as that's what gives it that store of value. So it's very different. And very few people can understand, they don't understand that right now. And, but I think that that change, that that is going to change where they're going to start realizing what a key component is for a portfolio in this environment. So that's something just to keep in, uh, just to keep in mind for the future for our listeners. Yeah, I I think it's a really great point, Trent. And energy is so much more, I know, on the forefront of my mind right. as I stop it and fill up my uh, tank with gas, right? Energy is so much more expensive than it has been in the, in the past. I do think, I think in everybody's minds, we're thinking about what sort of energy does it take to create that good. So I think it's an excellent point. Right. And I, I just don't know how long energy is going to stay inflated. Uh, it just feels like with all the... Um, issues around the world, especially with the Ukraine-Russia conflict and um, all the environmental uh, laws that we have in place here. It's just, it's just a tough time. There's going to be a continued shortage. And uh, so it's, it's uh, I think it's 
going to be a while before it's we're back to inexpensive energy. But anyway, let's let's talk a little bit about Bitcoin. I, I really like your point on that. And, you know, clearly, I think there's a lot of issues here. Like we talked about in a previous episode, when crypto prices start to fall and people want to draw their money, what's to stop from a run on the, quote, crypto banks? This is an issue when their money has been loaned out to somebody else. And this is exactly what we saw this last week with Celsius. As prices of crypto dropped, clients wanted to withdraw their money, and the money had been loaned out to other people. So Celsius simply froze withdrawals, right? Um, Celsius is believed to manage more than $11.5 billion in assets. That's a lot of assets to freeze. Yes, right? it is. And what does this sound similar to? Where have we heard about this in history? the banks during the Great Depression when there was a run on the banks. Once again, that's why FDIC insurance was created, so deposits are backed by the government. And so, so people don't want regulation. I think that's the big selling point of cryptocurrencies. And you know what? I don't love regulation either. Right. But I really think in this case, history taught us a lesson, and we just need to learn from that. It's important to have regulation in the banking industry so people can feel secure about their dollars. If you don't feel secure about your dollars, then guess what? We're going to have dollars hidden in our mattresses, <laughs> right? Yes. That is, that's going backwards. That's not moving forward. And I know the intent of uh, cryptocurrencies is to move forward. Right. So something else I'd like to add on, on that, just on the, from an economics perspective on the price of Bitcoin, who are, and when I say crypto or Bitcoin, I mean crypto in general, who are the buyers right now? So if someone is sitting in cash, let's say they've been very conservative, um, would they think, oh, I'm going to take some of this cash that I've been holding on to and buy Bitcoin. I don't think so. These people, by their nature, they're conservative. If you haven't already invested in cryptocurrency, I don't think you're going to start right now, right? Because right now it feels more risky than ever, um, given these things that are happening in in Celsius. Um, And like we saw in Luna that went to to zero a couple weeks ago, right? So um, uh, the people that would buy cryptocurrency, I would argue, already in it, and where they're getting additional capital to buy more. The government's not printing money and sending it out anymore, right? So we're gonna, where are they going to get that capital? From their big real estate that's that's going up in value? No, that's starting to go down too. So there's going to be a lot of sellers, not many buyers. And a market with a lot of sellers and not a lot of buyers is not a pretty one. Right. And so that's exactly just, what's going on right now. And that's why the price is falling. There's more sellers than buyers. And yep. the economy slowing and, you know, we just heard about Tesla laying off 10% of its workforce and more tech stocks are going to be laying people off. So that's stuff great. Yep. Yeah. It's simple economics on that one. You know, is also, so we had the FOMC this past week. And so Jay Powell on the last question actually talked about the housing market. I don't know if our listeners caught it or if you were able to see it, Michelle, but he said it's a very tight market when speaking of these finished new builds, which I thought was interesting. Uh, he also said that prices may continue to go up as rates go up. I was thinking to myself, nice wishful thinking there, Jay. That's not going to happen. <laughs> it's clearly already sense. not happening in Austin. I'm watching the market Ooh. right now. And that's, or it's, Las Vegas. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then he mentioned it's a complicated situation. And this was the kicker for me. He said, this is, this is a quote here. If you are a home buyer, 
you need a bit of a reset. <laughs> so, wow. yeah. So as I heard that, yeah. I'm thinking, man, these home builder stocks are not going to like this message from the Fed. Anyway, that was my takeaway. The last question in the FMC was on housing. I thought it was interesting. Uh, wow. No, I, I didn't see it, but I heard people qu- quoting exactly that, right? Saying, oh, maybe it's a good time to stay away. And you know why, Trent? We saw this last week, mortgage rates saw their biggest weekly jump since 1987. Incredible. Once we're, going, we're having to go back in history to find these things that, that happened. Uh, I hate having to go back so far to find these things. Um, anyway, I can tell you the headline today in the news in Las Vegas Review Journal is, quote, Las Vegas slashing home prices as mortgage rates climb. Man, this sounds so much like 2008, Las Vegas. I mean, Las Vegas was like one of the, that was the hot spot, right? And then imploded. For sure. It's like one of the top three, right? That imploded. It's, it's 2008. Wow. <laughs> Where do we talk about last podcast? Wherever I am, I'm sorry, it's going to crash. Yeah. So I apologize, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So no, it's uh, with, with rates at, at just about 6%, man, those went up quick right? It was just 3%. So um, it just makes no sense to buy a house at, at, you know, these high prices, at high interest rates, high taxes, property taxes that are hitting, right? You, if you want to pay a heck of a high <laughs> a monthly fees out, and now's the time to buy. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, people I are smarter know. than that. That's for sure. They're not going to do no, it for sure. So uh, anyway, so needless to say, it's such a tricky time right now and like we talked about trent who knows next week stocks might rip up right we, you have these dead cat bounces that go on so it's such a tricky time to to it sure is figure out what to do um in these markets so what are you what are you thinking for this week trent honestly michelle no trade this week <laughs> as boring as that sounds <laughs> I, I, I don't have anything i i'm literally mostly in cash i have some leap puts that I really like, and I've mentioned those and, you know, home builders and some retail, um, some restaurant. But other than that, I, I think the time to, I think that it's time for patience right now. And I think cash can't be understated. And who cares if you're losing 8% a year or if it's really, you know, 15% or whatever. Cash is such a great tool because things are going down quickly. And so whatever asset you want to buy in the future, you're just it's getting more valuable for you to hold on to your cash. I like that, you know, and something we talk about is alpha. So alpha is how well your portfolio is doing over an index or, right. or a benchmark, right? A lot of times it's the S and P. So, uh, being a lot in cash when things were down 3%, I'm like, Oh, my alpha is 3% positive. Right. <laughs> so it's, I wouldn't think of it as uh, you're right. It's not great during this inflation. You feel like you're losing uh, based on that, but relative to what indices are doing, it, it feels like maybe it's a smart idea. I think um, so. I guess the question is, and this is not for us to answer, but if, uh, if we had a lot, let's say hypothetically, Trent, we had all of our money in S and P, and I asked myself this: What would I do? Would I take? Would I move into cash now, or would I? Would I wait? You know, for myself, if I was in, uh, I think of as in crypto. Like, crypto is a really tricky one because it's down seventy percent, mm-hmm. right? Well, some of them are down a lot more than that too. Yeah. Depends so would one. I stay the course? Would I get out? I, you know, I know that I think that's 
that's the tricky question. And maybe that's, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, well, so in, I think it was third week in April, you know, we kind of just made that announcement. We're going all to cash and we're going to try to find some strategic puts and kind of just get to the sideline and watch this. So yeah, I can't give advice on that. I, yeah, I can't even honestly think like that because the trend is down. I don't want any part of that. It, right. Now if you're talking about buy and hold now, if you want to trade and, and make some strategic trades, either down or you know, trying to get a dead cat bounce or whatever. But for the most part, no, I don't want any part of it. Yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense. Cash is a nice idea right now. Plus with inflation, just, it feels like, um, as this train starts to hit us with all of these things, as we start to potentially see more job losses, um, out there and we see prices continue to go up, sometimes it's nice to have cash just to pay simple bills. Exactly. Right. It's, I think it's maybe a, a shift of thinking of, um, of survival a little bit. I think so too. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> all this doom and gloom, but you know what? Some point it's going to hit a bottom. We're going to come back. It's going to be fabulous. The question is when, who the heck knows? But, um, right now there's, you know, as you've said, Trent, or as you've said, Trent, and I've seen out there that the Fed is taking away the punch bowl. We've we've uh, overinflated everything uh, with all the stimulus that's come out into the economy. We have to contract a little bit. Exactly. Now, and that's uh, you know that's what we're all going to feel. So uh, anyway, all right. Well, hope everybody is having a wonderful Monday off, and then looking forward to a short trading week next week. And um, let's have a good one and. Let's save some money this week. All right, everyone, stay free. <laughs> Take care. Bye. And that's the podcast. If you like the podcast and would like to hear more each week, don't forget to subscribe. And of course, we'd always appreciate a review. If you'd like to contact us to learn more about Sterling Capital or just to say hi, you can email us at onetradepodcast at gmail.com. Let's have a great trading week, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye. And now for the required risk disclosure. The material in this podcast is presented solely for informational purposes and is not to be construed as solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any securities or any related financial instruments, nor should any of its content be taken as investment advice. One Trade Podcast accepts no liability whatsoever for any loss or damage of any kind arising out of all or any part of this material. We recommend you consult with a licensed and qualified professional before making any investment decision. 